Uh, we will uh, we will kick off here with this uh, this series, Foundation to the Faith, um, and uh, we talked briefly on Sunday about why this series. You know, why do we want to do it? Here's here's a listing again of the things we're going to study through, and um, <laughs> you'll you'll figure out real quick. This is going to take a little while, uh, but we're going to look at the scriptures. Um, we'll dive into uh, the scriptures. What do we believe about the Bible? Right? What do we believe about the Bible? How did we get it? How do we know it's true? Um, how can we stand firm upon it? And, and, and so on. And so we'll look at the Scriptures. We'll look at the one true God. We'll look at the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of confusions today, a confusion today about the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit. Just, just turn on your television and watch some of these TV preachers or visit around to some different churches. There's a lot of confusion about the, the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And so we'll look into that. Uh, the devil and Satan, uh, creation, fall of man, virgin birth, Atonement for sin, uh, grace in the new creation or that new birth, freeness of salvation, justification, repentance and faith, uh, the church, baptism and Lord's Supper, perseverance of the saints or eternal security, uh, righteous and the wicked, only two classifications of people groupings, civil government, resurrection of Christ related events, missions and the grace of giving. So there's a lot of different topics there that we're just going to dive into all of them and study through them, uh, and take our time and methodically just study through. And, uh, and the reason is quite simple. Uh, once we have a very good grasp on all those things, and some of you in the room may already have a good grasp, and uh, I think I said it before, you know, a shower is good for you, but they don't last forever, it's good to take another one, right? And truths of the, of the Word of God are good, and no matter how, how long we've known them, it's good to have refresher courses, be reminded of some of these things, and maybe it triggers something that you once knew and have forgotten. Uh, and so we'll, we'll continue to dive into some of these things. Ephesians 4.14, uh, stay in Second Peter, you don't have to flip there with me, but it says that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. And it says there that we be no more children tossed to and fro. And we talked Sunday about a growing, Sunday night talking about a growing church, not in number, but in likeness to Christ. And part of that is growing in our understanding of the Scriptures. And the one thing that, uh, you know, that I'm learning, and some of you may have learned, is the more you study the Scriptures, the more you feel like you don't know the Scriptures. Right? The more you dig, it's like, man, it just keeps teaching me more, and it keeps teaching me more. And I, I, you never, and my pastor always told us, the Scriptures will exhaust you, but you'll never exhaust the Scriptures. Right? We'll never fully uh, learn it all. That's why it's a lifelong process. It's a journey from now until the day I meet Jesus that I study His Word and know more of Him and, and seek Him more. And so it's an ongoing thing. And so we want to continue to grow um, there's no such thing as being stagnant in our walk with Christ. If we think we're stagnant, we're not. We're moving backwards, right? We're, we're falling in the wrong direction. And so we want to be moving forward. We want to be growing. And this process is part of that, uh, having a good understanding. And I, I've seen far too many uh, folks who, who, uh, who got saved and never got grounded, and then they get carried away with every wind of doctrine, right? The things come along, and they, they sound good, they look good, and it takes them away. And next thing you know, they're wrapped up in something that's not a true biblical teaching. And that's a, that's a dangerous place to be. And so we want to be grounded, unmovable, and unshakable in our faith. I don't want to waver. I don't want our church to waver in our faith. We want to stand firm on the foundation of God's Word. Um, I believe God's Word is final. It is complete. It is true. It is inerrant. There's nothing within it that is wrong. Any mistakes we perceive in the Bible are not mistakes in the Bible. It's mistakes on our part. We've misinterpreted the Bible. The Bible is true. 
It's true from the beginning, it says, and it will endure forever. And so the Bible is going to endure. It's going to be there for judgment one day, and we'll stand in judgment. So we want to be unshakable, unmovable in our faith and our understanding of the Word of God. It is, uh, it is the foundation uh, in which we uh, should stand upon. There's many warnings throughout Scriptures of false teachers in the Bible. We know they're everywhere today. If you just go around, and if you've been in any different churches around, um, I'm not knocking, you know, there's churches out there that are on, standing on the principles of the Word of God, so I'm not knocking all churches, but there are some churches that are jacked up today, amen? There's, there's some that are just off, all right? So it is what it is. And so uh, there's false teachers around, and we don't want to get caught up in that, and so we need to be grounded, right? We need to be grounded in what we know and, and be unchangeable in that. There's those who lure away with works-based salvation, baptism saving, losing your salvation, second works of grace, or what, what we know as entire sanctification, or, uh, they challenge the Word of God. There's, there's churches out there that do that. And I, I've, heard, I've heard pastors, there's a, there's a church in town I kind of referenced a little bit Sunday night, but um, he was preaching and he apologized for what the Word of God said. I will never apologize for what the Bible says. Right? It's God's Word. And so he apologized for what the Bible says. He says, I know this is hard to understand. I'm sorry. And I'm not sorry for what the Bible says. It's the Word of God. And we just need to adapt to it. Right? It's not, it's not for my debate. I don't determine what God puts in the Scriptures. We just need to adhere our lives to it. And so the Word of God is the standard, it is a truth, and we need to stand firm upon it. So the Word of God in churches today is even in question. The person and work of Jesus Christ is in question today. You'll get around, people will deny who He is. He's a good man, a prophet, a teacher, uh, but we know He's, he's, he's God. Um, end times events are, are messed up. The, Holy, the work of the Holy Spirit is messed up. Truths about Satan are messed up. Truths about heaven and hell are they're, they're all over the place. And so we want to be unshakable, unmovable, grounded, and firm in what we believe. And our truths don't come from, and, and through this study, I'm not going to give you, this is going to be more of a, a teaching setting than it is probably, now I might get fired up a little bit, but more than it is a preaching segment, more of a teaching time. Um, but I, I'm not going to give you any of my opinions, because my opinions mean absolutely nothing. What I think is irrelevant. It's, it only matters what God says. And so as we study through this, we're just going to dive deep into the Word of God. I encourage you on Wednesday nights to, to keep coming, bring your copy of God's Word with you. Um, if you're a note taker, Bring a, bring a notepad with you, bring a highlighter with you, bring something with you you can highlight. I'm a, my Bible's marked up. I'm a, my wife makes fun of me all the time. I'm always underlining verses and writing notes out to the side and, and that, so I can remember it next time I'm reading it. And so if you do that, do it. You know, I've, that's, that's fine. We're just going to dive in and, and, uh, and study through some of these things. And I want to read one more thing to you. Think about, um, you know, we want to be unmovable. There's a verse in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. It says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And so being unmovable and unshakable and being grounded. And so we want to be a church. I want to be a, a person. I want you all to be a people who are just grounded in the truth. We're grounded in the truth, and no one's going to, no one's going to sway us. We know what the Bible says, and we're going to hold to what the Bible says. We're going to stick to what the Bible says. We know that in our world today, confusion runs rampant. There's all kinds of stuff going on in our world today, and we need to stand strong. So we need to know the truth so well. You think about, uh, I've heard it said about federal agents and how they study uh, uh, currency, right? They study money, and they study that money so well, and they know the bills so well that immediately when a fraudulent bill passes by, they know it immediately, right? They've studied that real document, that real currency so well, they know a fraud immediately. And for us, spiritually, biblically, doctrinally, we need to know the truth so well that the minute we hear something that's not right, we know that's not right. We know a fraud quickly because we know the truth so well. We don't need to spend our life studying false doctrines. We just need to know the one true doctrine so well that we know a false one immediately. 
right? We know that immediately when it comes across us. And so that's what we want to do is just dive through some of these things. And if you think about kind of ties in with our, our, our Sunday series um, of the church in Acts 2.42, it says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, which is the word, right? They continued in the Bible. They continued saying out scriptures. Um, and so that's what we want to do. Uh, we want to continue to just study into these things. So God's called us to be grounded. He's called us to rightly divide the word. And in 2 Timothy 2.15, he, he told us to study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And so we want to be grounded, rightly dividing it. Um, we don't want to mislead anyone else. You think about what doctrine is, um, and I'm, this introduction won't take place every Wednesday. We'll get to 2 Peter where you're at here in a minute. Um, you're going to learn a little bit about me pretty quickly. Sometimes I take the long way to get somewhere, but it's all right. But doctrine is just teaching, right? Doctrine is teaching. It's the Word of God, right? The, the Scripture is full of doctrine. It is doctrine. It's the truth. It's, a, it's what we learn. The Bible's doctrine. Teachings are doctrine. A lot of times people hear the word doctrine and they immediately think, oh, that's boring. No. <laughs> Doctrine's not boring at all, right? I, I, I love foundational truths. I love it. Anytime we read it, we study, we preach, we teach, we meditate upon the Word of God, you're handling doctrine. Uh, and so don't be... Uh, uh, afraid of doctrine don't be afraid of that word uh, you're not afraid of doctrine but afraid of that word it, it gets a bad rap today um so we'll dive in so when we're diving into uh, studying this thing out obviously the place to start is the scripture because everything else is going to launch off of that if we don't have a good grasp or good understanding of this book and how we got it and is it true everything that we're going to learn about the one true god and jesus and eternal security is going to come out of here and so it all starts here. And so we have to launch off of the scriptures. The scriptures are the beginning. And so clearly that's where we'll start. You think about the Bible itself. It's in a category all to itself. Um, it's unmatched in every way. It's the number one best-selling book of all time. Not even close in, 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 in comparison. Uh, they don't even put it. The New York Times bestseller doesn't even acknowledge the Bible because it would always be number one. Therefore, they just leave it off. Right? It's the number one best-selling book of all time. I Pulled up a statistic today that says over the last 50 years, the Bible is obviously number one with over 4 billion copies sold. The next closest book was some book I can't pronounce, but it had less than a billion. It had 800 and some million copies sold over four times the Bible compared to the second best book in life over the last 50 years. Not even close, right? The Bible is unmatched in its impact. It's unmatched in its, its controversy, right? It's under attack, unlike any other book, because it is a standard for truth. So it's a controversial book. It's under attack uh, because it claims to be a truth, right? It claims to be a truth. And we live in a society today that says there is no absolute truth, and they deny there's a truth, but the Bible is a truth, right? And so it is a truth. Therefore, it's under attack. Um, I read some other statistics, and you'll learn almost I'm a statistic guy, but um, you think about the problem in today's society, or one of them is, is the view of Scripture. Um, there was a study done last year that said only 16% of Americans uh, read their Bible every day. Only 16%. That's a small number. Um, when a large group of Americans were asked one thing they couldn't go a day without, 37% of Americans said coffee, which now, coffee's important. <laughs> but hear me out. 28% said something sweet. Now, I like my sweets, too. 19% said social media. I can do without that. And then 16% said the Bible. Now, that's a little... That should be the other way, right? That should be, we shouldn't be able to live without our scriptures, right? We need to know the truth because the reality is this. When you and I dive into this book, everything I need to know is in here. The kind of man I'm supposed to be, the kind of husband I'm supposed to be, the kind of father I'm supposed to be, 
the kind of neighbor I'm supposed to be, what to believe, what not to believe, how to treat people, how to handle my finances, how to be saved, how I'm eternally secure. Everything is in here, right? And every, every ounce that we need to know, everything we need to know is in here, and it's all true. And so if, I, if there's one thing we should not live without, it is the Scriptures, right? What did Jesus say when he was tempted to the devil in Matthew 4, I think it's verse 4? It says, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God, right? Every word of God. And so we must live upon the word of God, chew and meditate and study and become students of the word of God. And so we see it's a problem today. Um, it's under attack. The, the world will say there's, there's no absolute truth. So we know that, uh, that the foundations of the scripture are under attack. And Psalm 11 verse 3 says, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? And so the foundations we know are, are under attack. And so now let's, let's finally get into your Bible, all right? <laughs> Let's dive into this, all right? What is, what is truth, all right? What, what is truth? We'll start with that, um, looking at what truth is. If you got your, your Bible there, 2 Peter 1, um, verse 19 through 21. We must first understand, uh, as, we, as we get into this, how we receive the Scriptures, and then we'll look at uh, um, a foundation of truth, all right? 2 Peter 1, 19 says, We have also a more sure word of prophecy. I love that because it says we have a more sure word. You know, if anyone ever says to you, I heard a new word from the Lord or a vision from the Lord or a dream from the Lord or whatever, forget it. Okay? God, it's final, it's complete, it's done. Right? It's, 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 God's not adding. He's, he told us not to add or take away from His word. He even says in Galatians, if an angel were to bring another gospel, he's better to be accursed. Right? It's not going to happen. We have in your laps and in your, on that table in front of you, you have a more sure word of prophecy. You can trust it. You can take it to the bank. He says, Whereunto you do well, that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn, the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scriptures is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And so the first thing we see here is how we received the Scriptures. We know it's a more sure word of prophecy. On top of that, we see how we received this prophecy. Holy men of God spake as they were moved, verse 21, by the Holy Ghost. As God spake, they wrote, they penned. So God's the author, and those 40 human authors were the pens behind the text, right? It's the same as if I were to give my boy Mo a pen and say, Moses, write down, I love chocolate cake. And he wrote down, I love chocolate cake. He wrote it, but I'm the one that told him to write it. Those are my words. He just penned them, right? And in the same manner, God, through the Holy Spirit, spake, and the men moved. Over 40 human authors, over a span of uh, 16, 15 to 1,600 years from Genesis, uh, potentially Job, to, to Revelation over a span of 1,600 years. Forty authors, 66 books, and yet they align perfectly because behind it all there's one author. There's one author, and that's God. 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, and may God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And so that word inspiration literally means God breathed. So God breathed or spoke through the Holy Spirit words and men penned them. And that's important. The doctrine of inspiration is important because it shows us how we know the Bible is God's word. If I believe that these 40 authors penned their words, then there could be error in it because those are fallen, fallible men. But if I believe that God was the author behind those words, he is true and he cannot lie. And so the, the, the doctrine of uh, inspiration is a vital doctrine because it, it ensures us that the book that we have in front of us 
is the Word of God. If it's man's Word, well, then it's any other book. But if it's God's Word, then it's a book unlike any other book. Right? It's a, it's a, it stands in a category all to its own. And so it's important. It's important to know uh, the, the how of the Scriptures. And so we see that in 2 Timothy 3.16. We see it in 2 Peter 1, 19-21. We see that as well. John 17, 17, he says, Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. And so we see that again. And so you begin to think about the question of truth. All right, so we're in a society today, a time today of no absolute truth. I've heard it said before, your truth is your truth, my truth is my truth, and, you know, don't worry about it, right? And yet you see that a lot. There is no absolute truth. And so we, we have to come to our own conclusion of what is truth. Um, how do we view the scriptures. When I, when I begin to think about some of the questions of life, what is the purpose of man? Why are we here? What, what's our purpose here on earth? What happens to me when I die? Right? All those questions, you begin to ponder those questions. There has to be a truth to the answers. Right? There must be a truth. And if it is indeed a truth, it's the same for all people. Two plus two is always going to be four, no matter what someone thinks or believes or is taught. It's always going to be four. It's a truth. It's a fact. It's not going to change. Right? And the, the word of God is true. And it, all those things are provided for us in there. And whether someone adheres to them or believes them or not, it doesn't change the fact that it's still a truth. It's a truth and it's final and it's complete. And so everyone must come to the grips with their, their view of the Scriptures. We know a worldview is how people view our world today. How do we view our framework of this world today? When we look around and see a fallen, broken world, how do we view it and how do we come to our conclusions and what lens do we view the world through? Do we view it through the world's eyes or through the Bible's eyes? We know we're called to view it uh, through the Scriptures. And so now flipping your Bibles to Matthew 7. Matthew chapter 7. And let's look today at... Uh, um, Matthew 7 shows us two gates, two prophets, um, two people lost and the saved. Then it also shows us two foundations in Matthew 7, 24 through 27. If you're following your Bible reading calendar, you were reading this... Uh, Probably this morning. Um, so Matthew, uh, Matthew 7 tells us in Matthew 7, 24, it says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man. I don't know about you, but I want to be wise. All right? The Bible speaks very harshly about fools. All right? So we don't want to be a fool. So I liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. You begin to think about our life. We, we, we are building our lives upon one of two foundations scripturally. A rock, as the scriptures say, which is the word of God. Or the next few verses talk about building our lives upon sand. All right, And sand is going to give way as the winds blow and as the, as the, as the rains come down, it's going to wash. If you've ever stood on the beach right where the, where the water washes up and you just stand still, what happens to your feet is that water runs back and forth. It just starts sinking, right? It starts going and you've you got to re, readjust your feet. And in the same way with our life, it likens it unto sand if we're building it upon the world system, right? If we're not founding our lives upon the rock of God's word. If I look into this world and I say, why is the world the way it is? And I look through the lens of the world, I'm building my life on sand. But if I look through it through the scripture and I say the world is the way it is because of sin and I take the scriptures and I begin to study through, I'm building my life upon a rock and I'll understand more why things are happening. There was a gentleman uh, that I, I knew well some years ago named uh, Harry Waits. He's gone on to be with the Lord now. And Harry Waits had a biblical worldview. Harry Waits was a man that, uh, that uh, just was an awesome fellow, always happy, just loved the Lord, 
loved the scriptures, had a heart for God, had a heart for people. Every time he'd come in, he's always happy to see you. He would, he would take little um, uh, dimes and drill a hole in them and then put a, uh, like a keychain thing on them and hand them out as diamond rings. And he hand them to all the ladies. He's a real slick fellow. And he, he, was, uh, he was active. He was always, he went skydiving in his, I don't remember how old he was. He was in his late 70s, I think. And he went skydiving. I'm like, good night. I'm 44, and that scares me. But uh, so he, he's just he's just active. He's on the go, and he always was a happy guy. But he was you wouldn't know it just talking to him. But he had all kinds of issues. For as long as I knew Harry, he was ate up with cancer. It was all throughout his body, all throughout his bones. I mean, he was he was in and out of the hospital all of the time. He would fall a lot, and he would you know lay his head open or lay something. He was always just. I mean, I visited that guy more than anybody in the hospital. He was always in the hospital. But every time I'd walk into the hospital and I'd go to visit Harry, he would look at me and say, Hey, Pastor Matt, how's the church? How's your family? And he's just happy. Always happy because he had a good foundation, right? When the, when the, when the, the storms of life came, he didn't fall. He didn't crumble, right? He stood the storms of life. His life, most people in his shoes would have been probably pretty miserable. I mean, his, his diagnosis was bad. His health was bad. I'm sure he felt pretty rough a lot. Um, he had a, uh, a colostomy bag, and he, he had all kinds of things going on with his health. But yet, happiest guy you ever meet, always in a good mood, couldn't wait to see people, loved the church, was always asking. And every time I saw him, he'd be laying there, black eyes and bandaged up, and the first question was not anything about him. It was, how's the church? He just had a, a heart for God and a heart for people and just loved people because he had a good foundation, Right? A good foundation. So we look into Matthew 7, and it says there that we need to build our house upon the rock. The wise men will do this. That's the Scriptures. When we understand the Scriptures, like Harry understood the Scriptures, he knew, and what excited Harry was he knew the moment he took his last breath, he was going to be in heaven, and that wasn't going to be a problem no more. And here he is today, or there he is today. He's not dealing with any of those issues today. He had a promise. He had a hope. Death's sting was gone. And so he was founding his life upon the rock of God's word. And he was just excited for every breath God gave him. And he lived that way. But then we go on to verse 26. Verse 26 of Matthew 7 says, And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand, which is obviously man's truth. It says, And the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. And so as we build our house upon man's truth or, or our idea of what truth might be when the storms of life come, our likelihood of falling is much greater. If Harry would have had not a biblical worldview, but a different worldview, like why am I sick? Why is God putting me through this? Why do I have to deal with this? His outlook on life would have been pretty miserable. But it wasn't because he had a good, solid foundation. And so we see these two foundations, and we know for you and I as believers, the foundation that we need to build upon clearly is the Word of God. Man's truth will always lead us astray. We try and justify things in our mind, and we can fool our own selves, right? I don't need to justify things in my own mind. I need to go to the Word of God, not on man's thoughts or man's ideas. There's all kinds of things out there today uh, that people put their trust in. There's, there's rationalism, right? If I can rationalize it in my mind, it must be true, right? There's, there's experiences. I, I once experienced something, and it happened this way. Therefore, it must be a truth, well, that doesn't necessarily make it a truth. It's just the way it unfolded for you, right? That doesn't mean it's a truth. The Bible is where we ultimately find truth. Um, traditions, right? There's, there's some churches that hold to a lot of rich traditions that may not be biblical and may not be right. 
There's people who hold to some traditions that may not be right. And so traditions don't always automatically make it a truth. Uh, so th- none of those things are necessarily truth. We know that we have, based on 2 Peter 1, verse 19, a more sure word of prophecy. And so we have a truth. We have the, the rock of God's word. And so our, our foundation must be in the word of God. It must be in the word of God. There's all kinds of attacks today on the word of God. We know if we rewind back, into the book of Genesis, chapter 3. Matter of fact, head back there for just a minute. And I uh, hit on this uh, 22nd there in the, in, the, in the sermon there, um, Christmas weekend, but uh, we see that the, the Word of God has always been under attack. Um, it's always been something that's been sought after to, to, uh, to dethrone and to, to, to put a question mark where God put a period and we see the, that Satan has always desired to do this. Um, in Genesis 3.1, you, you know the storyline. Uh, we're coming off the hills of creation here. Everything was good. Um, everything was good. Uh, God created Adam. Adam was alone. That, that was the first thing that wasn't good in the Bible. The man was alone. <laughs> That's a problem. Uh, so God put him to sleep, made a woman. Can you imagine? Anybody want to ask Adam when you get to heaven, like when you woke up by that sleep and saw Eve, what did you say? Like, Where'd you come from? Where'd you come? Yeah. He's like, yes. Hallelujah. Right? So I can't wait to ask you. I got all kinds of questions for people when we get to heaven. I got all kinds of questions for people. I got Moses, Joshua. I can't wait to talk to some of these guys. These great guys, Paul and all. Anyway. Um, so we, uh, we see here that uh, uh, we're coming off the hills of creation. Um, they're told to, uh, to become one flesh. Leave father, mother, become one flesh. And here we pick up in Genesis 3. Uh, they were told not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it says in verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said. And you see the very first thing uh, that is attacked is the word of God. The very first thing that's attacked is the word of God. He comes and he says, Surely God didn't mean that. He doesn't want you to not eat of that tree. It's okay. He knows that you're going to be like gods when you eat of that tree. right? He begins to, that, that question mark comes where God put a period. And the word of God is, is sought to be, to be questioned. Uh, he says, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Verse 2. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, uh, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Verse 4 says, And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. And so you, you see there that the serpent... Tell him I said hi. <laughs> you see there the serpent... I'm just teasing. <laughs> Hey, put it on speakerphone. They can listen. <laughs> but the, uh, the, the serpent says there, ye shall not surely die. Again, what did God say? Either tree, you're going to die. The serpent says, no, you shall surely not die. And begins to question again, questioning God's word. And so we see there the deception that takes place. Uh, and so that's been the case from, from the beginning. That deception has sought. The doubting has sought. Right, the desire, the 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 denouncing of the word of God has been sought after, and so we see the challenge here is the standard of the word of God has been sought to be tainted after, and so we must come to our own conclusions uh, of where we stand on the word of God. So as we think about the word of God and the foundation that it is, we got to ask ourselves some questions. All right, so the Bible is our standard, or at least it should be. Right. It should be our standard in life. It should be our standard in judgment. It's, it's going to be our standard in judgment. It's, it's going to be in John 12, 48. It says, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one to judge him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge, me, or judge him in the last day. And so the word of God, I want you to think about this for a minute. If nothing else, 
this ought, to, this ought to wake us up a little bit to the Word of God. But we're going to stand before Christ one day and give an account of our lives, and this book's going to be present. right? And we're going to give an account to the Word that He gave us. And so we have to answer to it. And so if nothing else, when I was in school, if my teacher said, you have an open book test? Every time I was like, I'll take the open book test. I'm not like, oh, I'll try it without the book. That'd be stupid, right? <laughs> well, we're going to stand before the Lord, and He's going to say, all right, I gave you the book. Let's take a test. Right? Let's judge you now based upon it. Well, I'm, I'm going to use my book. Right? I'm, going to, I'm going to study for that one. And so we need to, we need to make the decision on this Word of God. It's, it's, it's how we should it's a standard for our life. It's going to be the standard in judgment. And so what we must come to a conclusion is what do we believe about the Bible? What is our thoughts about the Scriptures? As we begin to unpack and unfold these other doctrines, all of them are going to come from the Scriptures. And so if our standard of the Scriptures is off, then everything else is going to be off. It all stems from that. And so what do we hold to on the Scriptures? What do we believe about them? Do I believe that this very book is the Word of God? And if there's one error within it, then the whole thing could be wrong. If there's one mistake in it, then the whole thing could be wrong. And so do I believe that all 66 books are inspired by God? Do I believe that all 66 books are complete and final and accurate and true? Do I believe that there's any errors within it? You read through the Scriptures, and I'm, I'm with you, that sometimes the scriptures are hard for us to understand, right? They're hard for us to understand, but that doesn't mean they're wrong. That doesn't mean it's wrong. It just means we need to study more, amen? It means we need to dive into them more. And so the word of God from beginning to end is true, but we must come to a conclusion. What do we believe about the word of God? Where does the word of God stack in our life? Where do we think it uh, resides in our life? Um, Does it change the way I do things? Um, does it change the way I, I live? Does it change the way I operate? Does it change what I do? Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give you an indication of how to determine where the Bible is in your life. If you begin to think with me for a minute, how you treat the copy of God's Word kind of shows your beliefs about it. If the Word of God is close to you and you're in it and you're a student of it and you're studying it and you can't get enough of it, well, then you probably have a very high value of the Word of God. If the Bible goes home with you, hits the nightstand, and you pick it up for church the next week, and you probably have a very low view of the Scriptures, right? So the way we treat the Word of God, the way I handle the Word of God, shows what I believe. So if the question in your mind is, well, what do I believe about the Scriptures? Just look to how you handle it, right? If I believe it's God's... Now, let's just think it for a minute. If I believe that the, the God of this universe, right, the Creator, the Lord of Lord and King of Kings, gave me a book, and I believe it to be His inspired full complete word of god well then i better get in it right i mean he he gave that to me right it's a love letter from god to me showing me everything i need to know and if i believe that it's going to it's going to drive me to get in it i want to know those things right if i'm going to be accountable to him one day he's given me all this to know i need to be in this book and so when you begin to think about what is your view of the word of god look at how you handle the word of god and it'll tell you what you view of it um, you think about things you care about closely the way you treat them is, is shows what you care about them. I know in our household, uh, in our household, sweets are a, 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 a big thing. All right, we like our sweets in the Stallings household. And my kids, especially one in this room who probably has an icy in her in front of her right now, uh, but she she'll go pick up some. She has this like sweets problem. Let me tell on her for a minute. She has a sweets problem. And uh, she used to go, there was a place uh, back home called uh, Grandpa Joe's, I think it is. Grandpa Joe's? Yeah, let's talk about Grandpa Joe's. 
So she would go to Grandpa Joe's, and Grandpa Joe's sold these like Dippin' Dots, and it was like five bucks or something for a for a cup of Dippin' Dots. Well, she would go and buy two of them every week. I'm like, you're spending forty dollars a month on Dippin' Dots. You got a problem, all right? But but sweets are a big deal in our household, right? And if sweets come into the house. There's like, they're getting stashed, they're getting hidden. I mean, you're, people are caring for them. I mean, I had my double stuffed Oreos tucked up in the kitchen the other day. You didn't even know they were there until there's two left. Had them hid, right? That's the way it works. It's all, you got to be on your game in a Stalling's household if you want some sweets. But what that shows is this. The way we treat our sweets shows how important they are to us, right? Not that that's a good thing, but it shows how important they are to us. Because we take care of them. I know exactly where they are. Matter of fact, I know where her sweets are. She just don't know it. All right? So it shows how you, how you care about it. In the same way, the way we treat the Word shows how we, how we care about the Word. The way I treat my wife shows what I really think about my wife. Right? And, and on from there. The way our kids treat their toys show how they feel about their toys. Moses. All right? So, uh, so you think the way you handle things show... What your, what your thoughts are on it. So when you think about the Word of God, again, it is a standard. It is true. Uh, it is inspired. Uh, it, it is the, the full and the complete and the inerrant Word of God. And we're going to look more into uh, the inerrancy of it next week uh, on Wednesday. So I hope you can join us. Um, think about these things as we... Uh, I'll leave you with a few uh, quotes or sayings that I've heard. A dirty Bible leads to a dirty life. A dirty Bible leads to a dirty life. A Bible falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. It's good. And sin will keep us from the Bible, or the Bible will keep us from sin. You know, a lot of times what I found in my personal life, I've been walking with the Lord now for, for going on 15 years, and I, I've, I've learned over the last 15 years that if I'm walking in unconfessed, unrepentant sin, I don't really want to read this book because I know what it's going to tell me. right? And so I'll just leave it off to the side. I just won't get in it. But when we get right with God and we begin to deal with sin in our life and we begin to get serious about the things of God, then I want to get in it. All right? And so sin will keep us from the book or the book will keep us from sin. So whatever you, wherever you find yourself, think about how much time you spend doing things you enjoy. Um, you know, there's hobbies and personal times and work and activities and social media and all these things versus how much time do we, do we spend in the Word of God. So just chew on that this week. And uh, next week we'll look at the inerrancy of it. We'll look at the accuracy of it. Uh, we'll study through how we know it is uh, such. We'll dive into some things because there's plenty in there for us to pull out. And so we'll dive into that next week. But uh, anyway, hey, look at that. Awesome. <laughs> you didn't even need to get the coffee going this week. All right. It's been good to be with you guys. Thank you all so much. We'll close out in a word of prayer. Thank you all for coming. Um, we'll, uh, we'll just see for future Wednesdays how things go. If we need to relocate, we'll relocate. I hope we do. Um, it's awesome to see. By the way, praise the Lord. Praise we should have shared. The teens are upstairs. That's a great thing. Amen. Um, so they're going to be picking up uh, two Wednesday nights and two Sunday nights. It'll hit your bulletin this week. Um, so if you got any kids or grandkids or teenagers, um, get them there. All right? Get them there. So they're up there tonight, and that's good. Anytime we can get teens in church, that's a good thing. That is a good thing. And so I'm excited about that. I know Dirk and Stephanie are excited. They're on fire. So uh, I'm praying it just keeps on going, man. You keep praying for those teenagers and those kids and uh, if we need to get a kids ministry going on Wednesday night, we've been talking about it already. We can make that happen too. So we'll we'll figure that out too. So we'll see what happens. Praying that God would just keep building His church, give you increase, and again, He gets every bit of glory from it. All right. Well, let's close out in prayer. Thank you all so much. Y'all be safe going home, and uh, we'll see you all on Sunday morning. All right. Let's let's pray. Father, we love you, and I God, I thank you so much for this group, and 
thank you for this church. I thank you for these people and their families. And Lord, I thank you for those folks who are upstairs right now, Dirk, Stephanie, and all the, all the teens. And I thank you for them being here. I pray they're having a great night. And uh, God, I pray, God, that you would just uh, continue to do a work in our lives and in and among the church. And, and Father, we just want to we just want to come to you and just we just want to serve you, uh, come to know you more and, and seek to point people to you. And, and God, just help us each day to forsake sin, get out of our own ways, come to know you closer, walk closer with you, point people to you and, and give you the glory. Lord, may we just live our lives to, uh, to, to point people to you and just, uh, just live for your pleasure. That's why we're here. And so God, help us to do that every day of our lives. I know as we surrender ourselves to prayer and study of the word, uh, that'll be the byproduct of it. And so I pray for myself. Uh, I pray for each one in this room uh, that we would take our time in your word uh, important and we'd make that a priority and we'd uh, put that in place every single day to, to read and see what you would have for us. And we thank you for your word. God, I'm thankful that you didn't leave us out here just wandering around, not knowing uh, who you are, not knowing a way of salvation, not knowing uh, what we are to do with our lives or why we're here, what the purpose of life is. But yet, Lord, you chose, because you love us, to give us your perfect word. It's complete and it's accurate, and we thank you for it. And and God, I pray that we would just uh, continue to to dig into it, Father. We just uh, thank you again for this time. I'll be with these folks and keep them safe as they travel home. Be with all the folks in the church that have needs and those with health needs and uh, those who are just uh, lonely during this time, just be with them, God. And I pray that you provide a peace the only you can and help us to come alongside and, and just uh, be an encouragement to them, Father. And again, may we uh, just go out and seek to win this, uh, this city to Christ. And may people come to know you. And may you continue to save souls. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Y'all have a good day or good night.